Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we're going to be talking about what you can do when the market is in correction, how your long-term plan can help, and how you can use the market volatility to your advantage. My name is Garrett Smith, and I look forward to your time with us today. Well, we're back at it. Let's talk today about what to do when the market turns down. You ready to do this again? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's uh, <laughs> hope we have some answers for, for this one. This is a tough one. Yeah, this is a tough one. The, and it's uh, something that's on everybody's mind right now, for sure. Yeah. I think the most important question is, did you get used to hearing yourself in your own headphones? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> but, but, you know, we'll get used to it, I guess. So, so I think we just kind of cover the topic of what to do when the market's in a pullback. Right now, uh, we're recording this at the end of June. Um, and, and so it's obviously top of mind, a lot of our clients and as well as ourselves. And uh, so I guess when the market pulls back, as it has been, what do you do? Well, when you told me we we're going to talk about this subject, I, I started thinking about it. And, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a long time and I've always looked for uh, the magic bullet. You know, how do we how do we avoid uh, market losses, but also participate in all the market gains? And, uh, you know, I've looked high and low for 40 years and there just isn't any way to do it. And so the the, the short, I think the short answer is in a market correction, there's really only, you know, one thing to do, and that is to look for bargains. Um, so that's what we're doing right now is just trying to find out what, what is oversold, what has, what, what's the baby that's been thrown out with the bathwater right now. Um, and, you know, we'll get into the longer answer as to why, but that that's essentially what, what we have to do. Just kind of ignore the markets and look for, look for opportunities right now because uh, the markets, you know, it's already corrected and nobody could see it coming or how far, you know, we know the market's going to go up and down. We just don't know how far does it go down this time. And, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, why don't we put in like a, a 10% stop loss? And so if you do that, the market goes down, you know, 10%, you sell, it goes down 11%, and then the next day it goes up 4%. And so now all of a sudden you're trying to figure out when to get back in. Just, there's just not really any way to, um, to know what's coming or when the market will bottom or when it will turn around and start going up. And, and so, we, you know, there's just other things that you have to do to position your portfolio because we know this is going to happen over time. Yeah, market corrections are always surprising, but they're never a surprise. Right. Right. We it's it's happened in the past, it'll happen again. Uh you know, you you expect a you know, talking about the S&P 500 a 10% pullback every year and you know, a 20 to 30 about every 3 years. Right. And so there it's just it's doing what it does. And I think you know, I agree with you that you can go bargain shopping. But that puts in place a lot of, you know, assumptions that have been done on the previous end, you know, assuming you own quality and you've done your diligence and you're hanging on to, you know, high quality companies, then it's, then it's worth it to buy and hold. Right. Um, so that's, I think on the long answer side that you alluded to, but, uh, 
but when things go on sale, you have to go look in. It's no yeah. different from the grocery store or, you know, the sporting goods store, wherever you want to go. When things go on sale, you have to go look in. Well, and that's how you really, adva- uh, you know, really advance the performance of your portfolios to buy really good things at buyer sale prices. You know, that's, we've been able to do that over time and it's, uh, it, you know, it's hard to do because it's a lot easier to buy when everything is good. It's those, those, you know, all those emotions of greed and fear. And, um, you know, when, when things are high and going higher, uh, it's just a lot easier to buy. I mean, everybody wanted to buy Bitcoin when it was, you know, 65,000 a coin. And now it's, you know, 19,000, 20,000. There's just not a lot of buyers out there, you know, so it's 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 the psychology of investing. And I I don't know that you ever uh, get to the point where those emotions don't have to be checked constantly. So, yeah, the the emotional override, we see it in ourselves, we see it in our clients just when when they when it's good, it's easy to be a buyer. Yeah. And when it's rough. I think the hard t- thing too about when the market's down is all the headlines are terrible. Right. You know, there's, there's, it's the job of the news industry to get you to come back tomorrow. So they'll write plenty of headlines to make you nervous. You know, there's always a guy on TV that, that um, basically says the market's going to zero. And then there's another guy right behind him that says the market's going to the moon. And so it's, you know, it's just, but that's what makes a market is the difference of differences of opinion, you know, and, and the, the market, I guess the, you know, a blessing and a curse of the market is that it, that it, uh, the stock market and the bond market is they're priced every second of every day. You know, your, your home, you know, it, I mean, just think about somebody coming out and putting a, a sign on front of your house every day, what it's worth. And, you know, it's absurd because we don't, we don't really care what our homes are worth because on a day-to-day basis, because we're not going to sell. And we, we really need to kind of look at our portfolio like that is, especially our stock portfolios. We buy them for growth over time and, and to price it, you know, every second of every day, it just kind of skews the reason that we own good quality companies. I mean, Costco is still selling tons of, you know, groceries and, you know, knickknacks and everything else that they always sell and they're selling it in abundance they're probably selling more now than they did last month and yet the stock is down and it's just a that's just a function of the emotions of the market the fear side of the market kicking in and uh, but Costco's still a great company you know yeah. and they're going to be fine uh, yeah and i think it leads to in that idea of how you never want to be the forced seller you know oftentimes on the as you get into these bear markets, you hear of companies or positions, you know, hedge funds or banks that had overlevered, you know, taken on too much debt and had to sell to meet some obligations. And and that's kind of what puts downward pressure on these bigger pullbacks, these bigger downturns in the market of, of being a forced seller. The same thing with your home. You know, you never want to be the forced seller on your home if you can be patient about when you want to sell and deliberately make the decision to move. And the same thing happens with stocks. You're buying them for a purpose and for a reason. And and being, you never want to be the forced seller of sell things when you don't want to. And obviously that takes into account doing a lot of pre-planning, a lot of work ahead of time um, instead of 
instead of trying to make rear view mirror decisions. Yeah, and I think that that comes to the sort of the longer answer uh, to the question of what do you do um, when the market's rough and. And, you know, the longer answer is, is that you just structure your portfolio in advance so that it behaves um, to your advantage. You know, we we have to understand that stocks are going to go up and they're going to go down. And that's just, you know, they've done it for 100 years. They'll do it for the next 100 years. That's just the way uh, stocks behave. Um, long term, they trade off of math. Uh, earnings and things like that. But in the short term, they trade off of the emotions of greed and fear. And so um, to, to position your portfolio so that that's not as big of issue, uh, all of our income clients, so everybody who's drawing from their portfolio for whatever reason, uh, they all have a bond ladder in place. And, and so we're not in a position where we have to do the forced sale that you talked about. You know, we're we're pulling from those uh, fixed income positions from money markets and bond positions, so that we, you know, we're, we're not in a situation where where we're forced to sell uh, our our good quality companies at lower prices than we want to. So that that's the first thing is just just you know play some prevent defense up front by having the the the, the correct. Uh, allocation between stocks and bonds, and and that can alleviate a lot of the you know kind of the what should I do now situation. Yeah, and I think then when you get into the you know kind of the teeth of the bear market, you can look back on that plan that you've put forward and say you know this is we were expecting this, we were ready for it, and just kind of reviewing that plan, even though the numbers have maybe changed from the last time you looked at it, um, because you know they will they will fluctuate on percentage-wise of how much stocks or bonds you have, whether you're taking income just as the market moves. But if you review it in the overall aspect of this is the plan that we're putting forward, this is the game plan we have when the market's up, when the market's down, and then reviewing that when the time comes, I think is a great peace of mind. You know, I notice it's really easy to get get really specific or focused in on one piece of, say, economic data and, and looking at you know, really short-termism uh, is kind of how I think about it when the market gets rough. It's just yep. the day-to-day blows. Instead of kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, where where are we in relationship to our 10-year plan? And and it kind of can calm the nerves when you know this is, you know, just one of the many bumps that will happen along the way that you are expecting and, and are planning for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think another thing uh, that can happen uh, that you can do is there's obviously some strategies that you can take advantage of when the market's uh, kind of pulled back, such as tax loss harvesting or doing discount Roth conversions. And obviously, those are client specific and you have to review each of those. But there are some elements that you can take advantage of in a down market um, outside of just what the stock price is doing. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think another thing for people to kind of keep in mind, we all have a tendency to do this. I know I do, as I always uh, high watermark my portfolio. You know, I, I'm, I'm like most people. I pull my portfolio up. I look at it, you know, every day. Oh, it's worth this. It's worth that. And, um, you know, we need to not get too caught up in, in you know, the good times any more than we do the bad times because, it you know, it's a lot <laughs> – it's a lot harder to um, stomach a downturn if we're, you know, if we've just, we're always pegging the high water mark of our portfolio. So I, I pulled up one of my 
uh, accounts. And back in January, when it was at its high, the the average annual return on that account um, for the you know I think since two thousand and nine when we um, moved over from UBS, the return on it was like I don't know thirteen and a half percent average return, and you know it's just which is fantastic. Well, that same account right now the the return since 2009 is like nine and a half percent. So it's, it's, it's still a really, really good return. It's not 13 and a half percent, but it's, but it's, you know, where else would I get nine and a half percent? So we, you know, we have to, we have to look at it in terms of not always high watermarking. We buy stocks to offset um, the cost of inflation and, um, you know, we, we have to grow our money net of inflation and taxes over time. And stocks do a really, really good job of that. But the trade-off is we have to, we do have to put up with some volatility sometimes too. So we have to, you know, we just really have to focus on the big picture rather than just the current pain that we're going through. So, yeah, you get used to seeing a certain number and when it's not that number anymore, you know, psychologically that that's tough. And I think that kind of leads into another point that I often think about is, is you can't let the, that number determine your quality of life. You know, it's, you can't get wrapped up and, you know, when you log in online or see your statement and say, you know, that's me. I'm, you know, putting yourself onto that number. Uh, you got to continue to live your life and, and move on. And, right. um, and I think it's easy to get wrapped up in how much you're worth. I think that's an easy trap to fall into. And so when it comes off, it feels personal uh, and, and you get used to certain numbers, you get used to um, being in a certain position and, and, but as long as you're kind of falling back on that plan, then it's okay. Uh, so I, I think there's, you, you got to remember to continue to live your life when the market pulls back and not get beat up by the nervous emotions that you see in the headlines or even that yourself is feeling yeah, and I think one way we can help uh, clients do that is uh, um, most of you have heard the term an envision plan. So it's basically just a long-term uh, forward-looking income plan. And, and we can refresh those numbers and, and make sure that even during a correction that your portfolio is, is in a position to deliver the, the income that you need throughout your life. And because that's really at the end of the day, what we're all interested in. We just, none of us want to run out of money before we run out of life. Right. right. I mean, that's, yeah. that, you know, that's, that's why people hire us is to make sure that the, the glide path, uh, keeps them in funds for as, as long as they're, uh, planning on living and, and, uh, and it, and that is mathematical in nature. And, and there's a lot of uh, thought and processes that go behind that. And so, uh, I would just say to anybody that if you're concerned about that, uh, give us a call and, and, you know, let's just look at your Envision plan and, and make sure that, um, you know, that it, it looks like it's still in pretty good position. All the ones I've looked at so far, um, you know, people are still in, in a good position. So, I, I you know, uh, individuals, we, you know, we might have to tweak some things for uh, some people. But by and large, I think everybody's probably in pretty good shape in spite of the correction. So, yeah, and I think that kind of highlights one point, too, as people retire and live longer now, there's going to be a high level, higher level of risk in a portfolio, generally speaking, than what's been allowed in the past. When you've had higher bond rates in the past or shorter life expectancy, you didn't have to worry as much about inflation because that's the ultimate eroder over time is 
is inflation on your purchasing power, you know, what you're able to buy. We've all seen what cars have done over the last couple of years. They're just more and more expensive. And so I think balancing that is where it does, uh, you know, can cause a little more emotional response in the pullback because you've had to maybe shift slightly out on the risk scale a little bit more than historically we would have thought to just because of market conditions. Yeah, particularly bond bond yields, you know. I mean, when the 10-year treasury bonds only paying less than 1%, I mean, you you just you just can't put long-term money in something that only pays 1% because it's it's negative to inflation. So we've had to have, you know, a little bit more uh stocks than we have traditionally, but maybe when these bond yields come up, we'll be able to to shift some of that, but it's really going to depend on you know, just how all economic conditions look. And that's why we just have to, you know, keep aware of it and adjust as, as, as time goes on. Yeah. And I think one other strategy people can employ is um, stop taking income. Now, that may sound scary, but I think one idea is oftentimes we kind of shift our income power to the market. And, and it feels like it gets out of our control. You know, there's, there's really nothing we can do about the market day to day. But if you feel like you want to bring that back to yourself, well, maybe adjust what your spending is. Now, granted, long-term planning doesn't ask you to do that. You know, if we get it, if the planning's done right and correctly, then, you, then there wouldn't be that problem. But if you're feeling like it's out of your hand, you know, we're all in control of our own personal spending mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And so if you're, if you're feeling like things are just out of your control, just pay attention to your personal spending because ultimately that's 100% up to, up to you, up to each one of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think most, most people who live in America can get by on far less than we currently consume. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know I could and, and uh, looking, you know, thinking through my client list, I think most of us can, um, not that we, you know, I mean, that I guess the question is, is, is do you need to or do you not need to? And right. uh, if you're feeling nervous about it and you can, then that's uh, that's certainly an area of control. You just trim back for a few months and uh, let the market recover and then, you know, resume your everyday life. And, it, you know, if that helps people emotionally get through things, then that's certainly something they should consider for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's obviously an emotional you know, question more than it is a numerical question, you know, a financial planning question that it's just kind of uh, just one idea I was thinking of, of, of sometimes when I pay more attention to how I'm spending my money, it, it kind of brings it a little closer to home instead of at the whims of what some guy in Washington, D.C. is going to do. But I think it's a fact of life. A lot of people do that. I mean, we know that there's during times of market corrections, uh, discretionary purchases go way down. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. just... Not as many cars sold and not as many vacation homes purchased and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just it's just because people are, you know, kind of feeling a little unsettled about their financial position. And so we just delay things a little bit, which is, you know, entirely normal and, and fine to do. Yeah. So I think other than really specific situations that, you know, I think there's a client specific that we don't you can't really dive into uh, without you know, a person's personal situation that was kind of going back to tax loss harvesting or Roth conversions or different things like that. Um, But I think these are some great general points uh, that we covered uh, today. Uh, Do you have anything else you wanted to? Well, I just remind everybody, you you know, you just own quality. You know, you you just have really great companies, uh, Lowe's and Walmart and Apple Computer and, you know, Costco and 
uh, ExxonMobil and, you know, they're, and they're all making money. They're all big, solid companies and none of them are going to go broke. Um, stock prices are down, but that's just uh, part of that emotional cycle. And so that, you know, we just call that our sleep at night portfolio because we just don't worry about it long term. And so keep that in mind as we, we kind of go through this uh, normal correction cycle. And uh, every time something like this happens over 40 years, you know, the, everybody always gets this feeling, well, this is the big one. This is the last one. It, this is the time it goes to zero. And it's just, it just doesn't work that way. The American economy is, is, is still really big, very robust. And these companies uh, offer goods and services that, that people, you know, people just have to have toothpaste and, and, you know, food and, and soda to drinks to a certain extent. And, and so just keep in mind, those are the kind of companies that you own and, and, and don't, don't really worry about uh, the long-term prospects for these companies. Cause that's what really matters. If we, if we felt like this one's got a really long-term structural problem, they're going to be out of the portfolio uh, a long time before it becomes a, a, a massive problem. And so uh, just sleep at night because you you own really, really good companies and, and we're watching them all and, and we'll make adjustments as necessary. Yeah. Not all stocks are created equal, right? There's more quality, more value style stocks. There's growth stocks, higher risk stocks. And so uh, when you can sit in that place that allows you to sleep at night is a great place to be. Yep, for sure. Well, thanks again for joining us. And I guess we'll see you next time. All right. See you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman & Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.